Ever since the first Easter, the world has never been the same. An empty tomb sparked a movement that actually grew from 25,000 followers in the early days to 25 million followers in the first few hundred years, all while being illegal. New beliefs about how you viewed people and treated people, even your, your enemies. Rights that we often take for granted, compassion, justice, all based on the resurrection, literally turned the world upside down. But that's just me as a pastor saying it. But hear it from a Yale professor, much more qualified than I. Wayne Meeks says, never in so short a time has any other religious faith, or for that matter, any other set of ideas, religious, political, or otherwise, without the aid of physical force, achieved so commanding a position in such a short a time in such an important society. The world has literally never been the same. In fact, for anyone who has put their faith in Jesus, they would also say, I have never been the same. And friends, I stand before you today as one of those people. I came from a very broken background. My purpose in life was generally to avoid God, thinking that true life is found in my own decisions, what I could accomplish for myself. But as time went on, I found myself increasingly aware of my own brokenness, my own inability to deal with my guilt and my fear and my shame, living a life of addiction and promiscuity, continually hardening my heart to God. Until that day, a message that I had heard many times before, but on a day I was invited by a friend to an event not unlike this, where I finally understood I heard the message and that it wasn't just true for others or true for some family members, but true for me. And I made a choice to follow Jesus. And ever since then, I've never been the same. But how does Jesus change lives? And why does it happen? We've just heard the historic account of a woman named Mary and we find her in a desperate place. For she, along with many others, had placed their hope in this man named Jesus, who claimed to be the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the solution to the ultimate human problem. The solution to her problem. But he was killed on a cross and placed in a grave, and so her hopes went with him. And yet in one moment, everything changed. Not just for her, but for the world. Because the Bible tells us that Easter is both a historical event and it is a life-changing experience. It's a historical event. You might say, well, Tim, if this really happened, there should be witnesses. Great question. I'm glad you asked. See, this woman Mary is the first witness 
of the resurrected Jesus, but she wasn't the last. The earliest accounts tell us that over 500 people witnessed the resurrected Jesus. That's incredible. Imagine for a moment if we had each one of those witnesses here today. And imagine if we invited them all up on stage to talk for 15 minutes each about what they saw when they saw the resurrected Jesus. Well, we would be here all day and all night, all the way till Friday morning, because it would take us 128 hours just to hear all of these witnesses, and that will hold up in any court. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. It's a historic event, but it is also a life-changing experience. Because you see, the biblical writers place this historic event within the much larger account of the whole life of Jesus. If he rose again, then everything that he said about himself, about us, about the world is true. Easter underlines it all. And as a result, it's a life-changing experience. See, though you and I were not at the tomb, the Bible tells us that we can know the truth of the resurrection and also experience the life of the resurrected one. And so the gospel writer John concludes his account by saying this, but these words are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And Mary is the model for what can happen in your life today. In one moment, she turns from the deepest sadness, despair, and fear to the most remarkable joy, freedom, and purpose. How was she changed? And how does Jesus change, change us? Well, I just want to highlight this morning on this Easter Sunday, three ways in which Jesus changes us. And the first is this, Jesus changes your past. You see, Mary was a woman with a past. Who was she? Well, if you read the rest of the gospel accounts, we find that she was a woman who traveled with many other people who were following Jesus at that time while he preached and while he performed miracles. We're also told that she experienced radical deliverance. Mary was a woman who came from a very broken background. She lived previously a life of spiritual torment. No doubt she had experienced severe emotional and even psychological trauma. Her life was a mess from the public perspective. Maybe some of us can relate. I know I can. When I was invited to that church event, I was like, man, my life is a mess. If I walk into that church building, a lightning bolt will single me out and strike me above all other sinners. <laughs> We all have a past. Even for those of you who would see yourself as a very good moral person, even you have that fear that maybe you haven't done good enough. Will it ever be good enough? See, every one of us as we come here on Easter morning, we all have a past. 
The thoughts we've had, the things that we've done, the words that we've said. What is it in your past that is weighing you down? For some of you, you bring this morning, it's a a failed relationship, a broken marriage, failed parenting, letting down others, a general disappointment of where you're at in life, the things that you even said just yesterday. What is it that's weighing you down? What is the shame? What is the guilt? What is the fear? Well, Mary had it all. But I bring it up because this Mary is totally changed. This woman who was previously tormented, traumatized, she is then free from the guilt and shame of her past. And we are told over and over that every single one of us can be free as well. How? Because that's the very reason Jesus came to die. You see, just three days prior, Jesus died an awful death on a cross. Why? He said it was for our sin. Sin is not only our wrong actions, but even the wrong attitude, sin, is making something other than God your center, your source, and your savior. We have all sinned. We all have sin. And death and separation is the consequence. And unless that sin is dealt with, unless that sin is paid for, that separation becomes permanent for all eternity. One day, every single one of us, we have to give an account for sin because God is a holy, perfect, and righteous judge. Now, some of you are here this morning at this point, you're like, really? I came to Easter to get an inspiring message and that guy's just talking about judgment. Everything was fine until you started talking about judgment. I've been getting along fine. I rarely think about judgment. I live my life, I make my choices totally fine. The sun is shining because it's California. Let me use an illustration. Imagine you're shopping. For some of you, it won't be too hard to do. And imagine you find shoes. Shoes that you just have to have. Some of you, you know. But there's a problem. You don't have cash. And that little tag says they actually cost something. You don't have the cash. So what do you do? You pull out that little piece of plastic and you swipe, you take out your phone, you do a little double click face ID and for some crazy reason, you walk out of that shop without paying anything. How is that not a crime? You didn't pay. Some of you are like, it's magic. (laughs) Oh, you're in for a rude awakening later. (laughs) But here's the deal. The shoes weren't free. When you signed that paper, when you did that little double click on your phone, you were legally binding yourself to a contract. Do you guys know this? Just just trying to help you out in life. You're legally bound that those shoes will be paid for and one day the statement from the credit card company will arrive and they will require payment. Now friends, God is a perfect judge. And every sin requires payment. 
And though he is patient and though he is merciful and we get on with our days over time, there is a day when that statement will come and payment will be required. But here's the good news. On Good Friday... The credit card statement came for us all of sin. And on Good Friday, Jesus wrote the check for you. He paid the price by taking the penalty that you deserve so that you could have the life that he deserves. And that is why the Apostle Paul simply writes this in Romans 3. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Mary knew that Jesus came on a rescue mission to save people from sin. But after he died, her hopes were dashed. Because if he remained dead... How could she know or how could we know that sin is forgiven and our past is redeemed? Early that first Easter, everyone, including Mary, thought that the check that Jesus wrote had bounced. They thought he just said, oh, I'm going to, you know, do all this stuff for your forgiveness. But then he was dead. See, here's the truth, friends. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, all of this doesn't matter. And it's pointless to go to church on Easter. You might as well just go out to the beach with a pina colada, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It's pointless. If Jesus is dead, all of this is pointless, and church will not make you better. The empty cross is not good news without an empty tomb. But here's why we're gathered the tomb is empty, Jesus is alive. And his perfect life and his perfect sacrifice on the cross paid the price for our sin. The check was not only written, it was cashed. Payment is complete. And this means that all of your sins can be forgiven. Everything that you have done, everything that you've done, forgiven. The slate wiped clean. The guilt, the fear, the shame healed. The resurrected Jesus changes your past. And what a beautiful truth that is. I will never forget that moment of feeling like the weight of the world, the weight of my guilt and fear and shame just fell off my shoulders and I was free. Jesus changes your past. There's more than that. It goes even further. The writers here are not only telling us that Jesus was physically resurrected, but that this woman, Mary, also experienced herself spiritual resurrection. And that's the second truth. Jesus changes your past, but Jesus also changes your present. See, Easter, the truth of Easter is not only about being forgiven of your past, it's about being brought into a right relationship with Jesus in the present. The way in which Mary encounters the risen Jesus is is wonderful. So wonderful, in fact, that she's changed by it. 
When we read the account, you may have been struck by the fact that when Mary arrived at the tomb where Jesus was buried early in the morning while it was still dark, she mistook Jesus for the gardener. She wasn't going there with any expectations. As far as she was concerned on that morning, her hopes were dashed. And she hears this voice out of that, that early dark morning saying, woman, why are you crying? And she's like, oh gosh, it's the gardener. Like, what do you want? Hey, if you took him away, let me know. I'll get him. But even though in that moment, Mary did not recognize Jesus, Jesus saw her and he called her by name. And so we have what some have called the shortest sermon in the Bible. One word, Mary. Jesus spoke her name. And in the moment that Jesus spoke her name, it all clicked. He's alive. He's the one that died for sin. He was buried but now he's alive, one word, and she was changed. And I, I don't know about you, but I love this picture because she doesn't go there expecting much, which reminds us that even though you and I, we might struggle with our doubt and we don't expect to see Jesus, he's looking for you. You may have come to church this morning not expecting anything particularly spectacular, <laughs> not expecting much but the risen Jesus is pursuing you and he calls you by name. And the minute he calls Mary by name, she's transformed. In fact, she's so overjoyed that she latches on to Jesus. And Jesus says, Mary, don't latch on to me. I've got stuff to do. I'm on a mission. And I love that picture because it reminds me when my kids are young and they didn't want me to leave for work and my youngest would always grab hold of my leg and I'd be like, you know, that thing when your parent is like, no, gotta go. Like, don't leave. Or when you get a babysitter, don't leave me with her. Jesus says, Mary, don't latch on. I have a mission. And he says, I am ascending to my father and to your father. That is an astounding statement that you could call God Father. The God who created us, the God that we sinned against, that we could call him Father. Friends, this is what the resurrection means. It not only deals with our past and forgiveness, but it also changes our present. That is a statement of acceptance and adoption. When you trust in Jesus, you are accepted by God and you are adopted by God. You are family. Jesus is God's son by right, but you and I become God's children by grace. It is as if we were all orphans and we committed horrible crimes and the judge not only paid the debt for us, but adopted us to take care of us. That's how astounding it is. I mean, think about this this morning. The, the almighty God who created the world, he speaks our name. He brings us into intimate relationship with him so that we can not only be forgiven, but we are brought to God. When you trust in the risen Christ, he raises you up. That's why the apostle Peter, another eyewitness, he put it simply in one of his letters. He said, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous 
for the unrighteous to bring you to God. Fully known and fully loved. See, those two truths together, that combination is pretty rare. All of us want to be known and loved, but it doesn't always happen that way. Many people who know you find it hard to love you. Sorry. <laughs> like, oh, I know everything about you. I know your faults. I know your failings. Like, you're kind of hard to live with. Like, if you're, your spouse, your children, your family members, like, they, it's almost like, I know too much. But then other people, they say you, they love you, but they don't really know you that well. Like, oh my gosh, love you. Like, we met five minutes ago. You don't know me. <laughs> You don't know much about me, but we just throw it around all the time. Like, oh, I love you. We love each other. <laughs> but isn't it something when someone says, I know you. I know everything about you. And I love you. Friends, Jesus says, I know your guilt. I know your shame. I know your depression. I know your anxiety. I know your addiction. I know your secret addiction. I know your fear. I know your longings. I know your brokenness. I know your shame. And I love you. And I call you by name. Friends, that is the truth of Easter. We all desire to be known and loved, but it only ultimately comes true in Jesus Christ. He knows everything, and yet he loves us. It's a powerful truth because all of us Right now, we're, we're trying to get through life, trying to get someone to, to name us, to know us, and to love us. But nothing else in this world, no one in this world, will give us an indestructible identity. But oh, when the risen Jesus calls you by name, you are known and you are loved, and not even death can stop that relationship. The resurrection changes your present the people and things that you were looking to to give you acceptance and approval no longer control you and leave you empty. Your search ends with Jesus. And even when you face hard times and uncertainty and you don't know what's happening or why it's happening, you say, but I do know this. He knows me. He loves me. He knows where I am and I belong to him. Jesus changes your past. Jesus changes your present, but Jesus also changes your future. Because believing in Jesus, knowing that he's risen again and one day he will come again, it changes everything about how you look forward and about how you live and even about how you die. See, there is no greater movement than the movement that began from this one conversation for after Mary realizes that the resurrected Jesus is there and all of her hopes lift up, she then says, Mary, I've got a mission. Go and tell my brothers. Go and tell all the others who are following me, the ones who abandoned me when I was crucified, and the ones who gave up hope when I was put in the grave. Go and tell them the good news that I am alive. Jesus is saying, because I defeated death, I'm giving you a mission that not even the grave can destroy. Sickness can't stop it. Disease can't stop it. The world cannot stop it. Jesus says, go and tell. Let this truth change how you look to the future. See, we all want some kind of purpose in life. We all want to know that we're living for something that is bigger than ourselves. But friends, this is real hope. This is living hope. And hope doesn't just leave you passive. You're like, oh, that's nice. 
that's nice. <laughs> no, hope calls to action. I love this quote. I read it years ago. One writer, she said, hope is not like a lottery ticket that you can sit on a sofa and hold feeling lucky. Hope is an axe you break down doors with to rescue people. Hope calls for action. The message of Easter is that our world has been entered by God himself, who has done for us what we could never do for ourselves, rescue, redeem, and renew humanity from the devil, from evil, from brokenness, and death. It is not a nice idea. It is not a philosophy. It's not a piece of good moral advice. It's not a program. It's not a TED Talk. It's not a moral code. It is an announcement about what God has done, and it doesn't leave you sitting on the sofa feeling lucky. It gives you hope that sends you out into this world of need, breaking down doors for people who are trapped in dark to bring them life. Friends, you have a mission. When you trust in Jesus, you have a mission. And for some of you who've been Christians for years, you need perspective. I need perspective. Because let's be honest, even for some of us who aren't even going through trials, it's the cares of this world that can often cloud our perspective and we forget what is most important. We need to be reminded the tomb is empty. Some of you are like, gas is expensive. <laughs> yes, and Jesus is risen from the dead. He's risen from the dead. And we don't even need to fear death because Jesus gives us a future that removes the fear of death because he defeated it. Because our life is tied to his, we no longer need to fear for now, we are not only spiritually raised in the present, but in the future, we will be physically raised to new life and be with God forever in his glorious new creation. That leaves you then with a responsibility, a resurrection responsibility to go and tell. Don't you dare keep this message to yourself. You have a message of salvation but don't be arrogant as you go. For some of you, that's your experience of Christians. They preach the message as if they were the ones who saved you. <laughs> but we remember on this Easter day that we are not saved because of what we have done or what we have failed to do. We are saved because of what Jesus did. And so Jesus says to Mary, go and tell my brothers. Who are his brothers? These were Jesus' followers who abandoned him in his hour of need. How many of you, don't raise your hand, have been abandoned or betrayed by close friend or family members? Some of you are like, yeah, just, just <laughs> reflect on that in, internally. When they come back to you, sure, we might offer forgiveness, but we also want to deal, dish out a little punishment. Like, yeah, I'd love to meet for coffee, and I will grant my forgiveness upon receiving your eight-page apology. I mean, if I were Jesus, it's a question I don't often ask, but if I were Jesus in that moment, I'd say, hey, go tell my brothers I want to see them, and when I see them, I want tears. I want tears, people. Where were you when I needed you, when I was being crucified? Where were you? All you had to do was just pray, and Peter's like, I'll be with you, Jesus, forever. 
And then the minute Jesus is unjustly tried, Peter's like, I don't know the guy. I literally don't know him. Jesus, Jesus. Nope, don't know him. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus says, Mary, I want you to go tell them. And I want you to go tell Peter. The very people who abandoned me in my hour of need. You know what Jesus does? Jesus treats the relationship as if it were never interrupted. That's how incredible the grace of Jesus is. These people who betrayed him and abandoned him, when Jesus calls them back, he treats them as if the relationship were never interrupted. Some of you here this morning put your faith in Jesus a long time ago. But maybe since that time, you've drifted. You've fallen away. You've stopped following him as, as Lord. And if someone were to ask you on a piece of paper, what's your belief? You would write Christian, but you're not living like it. Maybe it was all you could do to come to Easter this Sunday. Because some of you might feel that, that shame. My gosh, I know I've, been, I know I've fallen away from Jesus, but I'm ashamed to come back. Maybe you're fearful about what God might say. As if God's going to say today, well, 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 look who came on Easter. I bet you're going to come on Christmas too. <laughs> well, give me seven more Sundays and then we'll talk about restoration and whatnot. Friends, that's not what God does. That's not what Jesus says. When any sinner returns, even those who have fallen away, even the prodigal sons and daughters, when they turn back and Jesus receives you, he treats you as if the relationship were never interrupted because your acceptance is not based upon what you have done. It is based on the grace of Jesus Christ. If that's you and you've drifted, today is the day of return. Today is the day to come back to him and your acceptance is all based on grace. See, all of this is given to her and to them and to us. Why? Not because they were good moral people or smart people or successful people, but because they and us are loved by the risen Jesus Christ. So today, do you realize that there's nothing you can do to rescue yourself or other people from the debt of sin? That truth alone should make us weep. And yet, do you also see and know the truth of Easter? Jesus changes your past. He gives you full forgiveness and pardon. Jesus changes your present. He calls you by name into personal relationship. And Jesus changes your future. He gives you a hope like no other even beyond the grave and sends you out with mission and purpose into all eternity. To make it clear, Easter is not about what you can do for yourself. It is about what God has done for you. Easter is not about how good you are. It is about how loved you are by Jesus Christ. In conquering sin, Satan, and death, Jesus removes your shame, removes your guilt, removes the emptiness, removes the brokenness, and in their place gives you new life. And friends, this is new, full, and abundant life. In what ways? Jesus gives you a new start. Jesus gives you a new heart. Jesus gives you a new identity. 
He gives you a new mind. He gives you new strength, a new foundation, a new mission, a new motivation, a new affection, a new family, a new purpose, a new inheritance, a new power, a new hope, a new joy, a new peace, a new freedom, a new courage, a new love, and a new future. That's incredible news from the risen Jesus summarized in this one beautiful phrase that Paul wrote in one of his letters. He says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun, exclamation mark. For those of you who have already put your faith in Jesus Christ, remember, rejoice today. Ask him to give you that eternal perspective, that resurrection strength in your life today. For those of you who have drifted, for those of you who have fallen away, he calls you back. He calls you back. Do not resist his voice. Return to him today. And for those of you who have never considered Jesus, maybe for some of you this is the very first time you've known and understood what his life, death, and resurrection is all about. How can you know that you are saved? How can you know that you are forgiven? How can you know that you can be made new? How can you know that your past is cleared and forgiven? How can you know that you have this sense of purpose and mission? How can you know that you have this everlasting relationship with Jesus Christ? How can you know that you can have this strength and motivation and affection and power? Well, it's simple. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It is as simple as that. We're just gonna leave that up there for a minute. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you want to know, friend, that you are forgiven? Do you want to know that you are saved? I am calling you today on this Easter day to call on the name of Jesus. Just say, Jesus, save me. You don't have to go do some good work. You don't have to climb a mountain. That's one of the beautiful things I love about the celebration of baptism. When Jesus gave us a symbol by which to represent our choice to trust him, he didn't give us something complicated. He didn't give us something that showed off our own strength. Imagine if Jesus said, hey, believe in me, and to show the world that you believe in me, climb one of those big PE ropes all the way to the ceiling. I'd be doomed, because I wouldn't even get off the floor. I'd be like, I want to follow Jesus. No, I can't do it. I'm done. And other people who did, you CrossFit people, you'd be like, boom, I'm there. Got it. Like, wow, I'm never going to be like them. No, instead, there's this beautiful picture that you are actually dunked into the water and you need someone else to pull you out because that is Christianity. You cannot save yourself, but Jesus saves. It symbolizes what has happened. I invite you today to put your faith in Jesus. And I'm gonna call those of you who put your faith in Jesus today, or maybe you've put your faith in him a long time ago, but you've never gotten baptized this is your moment. I'm going to call you to publicly declare that you have trusted in Jesus by being baptized. Baptism is an outward showing of an inward change. It symbolizes what has happened in your life. Some of you might be afraid to get baptized. You're like, what will people think? 
Well, that just shows how powerful the opinions of other people have on you. But let me tell you this. The opinions of other people will not forgive you and resurrect you. But Jesus can. Your greatest fear should be final judgment. But Jesus took this judgment for you. Mary was not ashamed to publicly declare her trust in Jesus because Jesus publicly declared and showed his love for her and for the world and for you when he died on the cross. Easter changes everything. Our past, our present, our future. We can be forgiven of sin, brought to God, and given a hope that not even death can destroy. And Easter always calls for a yes or no answer. So what will it be for you? Today, he speaks your name. He speaks your name. He calls you to trust him. He calls you to respond. Will you turn and trust? I pray that you would. Let's pray together right now. Father, I pray for those men and women right now who are on the verge of making a decision to follow you, to make a decision to trust in you for their salvation. Father, I pray that right now they would simply, even right where they are in their seat, simply say, Jesus, save me. While our heads are bowed and we're in an attitude of prayer, I do speak directly to you, friend. If that's you, I invite you right now just to say in your heart a simple prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. Just say, Jesus, save me. I want to know I'm forgiven. I want to know I'm accepted. I want to know that I have everlasting life with you. Young or old, if that's you, just say that right now to God. Jesus, save me. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose again to give me new life. I choose to follow you. If that's you, just pray that right now from your heart. And for those of you who have fallen away, just say to Jesus right now, Jesus, I know my pride, my shame would keep me from returning to you, but I'm gonna do it anyway because you're the most important thing. And I believe in what you did for me and that you will accept me by grace. If that's you, return to him. Return to him this morning. And Father, as a congregation, may we celebrate the change that you've brought in us. May we celebrate the change that you brought about in people just this morning. May we celebrate the change that you brought about in people that you're drawing back to yourself as we sing and as we worship and as we remember the truth and power that the tomb is empty and there's news to tell. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.